This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. That's exactly what we are looking forward to hearing about. Uh, Anthony Reich, a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Okay, Tov. Uh, before we get into some of the heavy parts of the news, and there's a lot of news today, um, I don't know if you have a TikTok account. I am happy to admit that I don't. No, I don't. But apparently, but apparently it is a thing. And um, I'm guessing that many of the listeners will have TikTok accounts. But the latest TikTok hero is Roz Makhlouf. She, together with her brother, manages a shawarma stand in the Israeli city of Givachmoel, which is um, alongside B'nai Brak, for those people who want to just get a sense of where this is. And Roz Makhlouf, in addition to managing uh, the shawarma stand. She's a 22-year-old. She recently completed her military service and she joined her brother in the shawarma stand in, in Givat Shmuel. Uh, she has a TikTok account and she apparently has something like 40,000 followers on TikTok because she makes videos of what goes down at her shawarma stand. She's become known as the TikTok shawarmist. And apparently, some of her videos have managed to achieve more than a million views of how to go about making an ideal uh, shawarma. And in fact, the the, the view that um, I understand has had the most um, views, the, the video that has the most views, is the one where she's made a shawarma in a luffa, which is a huge kind of flatbread, which gets rolled up. Apparently, she has the style of rolling up her laffa with the shawarma inside uh, and, of course, the chips, the salad, the hummus, the tchina, and, oh of course, boy. the kharif that goes into making an <laughs> ideal shawarma. So for those people who are keen to know exactly how to make a good shawarma, apparently it's Roz Makhlouf on TikTok. Go along and see how she does it. Well, besides Roz, Anthony, you're very cruel to be bringing that to us this time of the morning. I mean, I'm getting hungry learning about shawarmas and what are you besides tick, never mind TikTok. Boy, that sounded appetizing. And just think about, well, that's why uh, she's got so many hits uh, on TikTok because, well, you can't go wrong with food, can you, Anthony? Can't you? But anyway. Um, certainly not in Israel. Certainly <laughs> Definitely not in or Israel. Or anywhere else in the world for that matter, Anthony. But okay, uh, let's just put that thought aside before the mouse con- continues to water out of control. Let's look at Prime Minister. Netanyahu and U.S. President Joe Biden speaking on the phone yesterday, what, for about 15 minutes? Yes, so the, um, the, apparently the call was all about President Joe Biden inviting Prime Minister Netanyahu finally mm-hmm. to have a meeting with him. Right. Not quite an invitation to the White House because this was all very, very carefully orchestrated not to be quite an invitation to the White House, but nonetheless an invitation by President Joe Biden to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu. This is a big moment that the Prime Minister has been waiting for already for some time. And it seems 
quite carefully structured in terms of its timing because we do know that the Prime Minister will be heading to the United Nations General Assembly meeting, which he does every year since he's been Prime Minister around this time, to address the United Nations General Assembly. And, of course, that would give an ideal opportunity for President Biden to say, let's meet around the outskirts, around the edges of the United Nations General Assembly. And, by the way, because that happens to to, uh, take place in New York, Uh, I'm not inviting you to Washington, to the White House, but let's just meet in New York somewhere around Mm -hmm. the edges of the United Nations General Assembly. It it means that the president can avoid inviting the prime minister to the White House, which I think he's still not well inclined to do. Apparently, there have already been two rejections uh, that have been uh, given by the president when the prime minister uh, approached through various channels. Uh, to have the possibility of a meeting at the White House, those have been rejected. And by all accounts, even in yesterday's phone call, which was apparently a warm phone call, discussed um, Israel's judicial reform, discussed the Iranian issue and a number of other um, matters which are of common uh, interest to Israel in the United mm-hmm. States. Um, that the, the call did not uh, invite the Prime Minister to the White House, but they did say that they will meet very soon, and I expect that that will be around the edges of the uh, United Nations General Assembly meeting in New York, which will take place, I'm guessing, um, in September sometime. Uh, but of course, the timing couldn't have been uh, more uh, uh, conspicuous because early this morning, in the early hours of this morning, uh, President Isaac Herzog uh, was on his way to the United States to meet with President Joe Biden at the White House. And not only that, uh, also to address a joint session of Congress, which has been put together and which will take place later today in order to mark 75 years of diplomatic relations and relationships in general between the United States and Israel. This is the 75th anniversary, of course, of Israel's independence Mm -hmm. this year and also marks 75 years of a relationship between the United States and Israel. And President Isaac Herzog will address the joint session of Congress later today in order to commemorate, in order to celebrate that particular event. And I suppose with the President of Israel meeting the President of the United States at the White House, and with that glaring omission that the Prime Minister has not been invited to the White House. I think yesterday's call was just timed in order to kind of smooth over the events that will take place later today. Here is the little kicker that came out of the call yesterday with President Biden. Prime Minister Netanyahu, when addressing the issue of the judicial reform, and of course uh, the the next thing we're going to talk about are the protests Mm -hmm. against the judicial reform. So Yossi, be warned, we are going to be talking about that today. But in the conversation with President Joe Biden, um, apparently Prime Minister Netanyahu said that aside from, aside from the reasonableness bill, which is currently making its way through the Knesset and which is expected to be enacted into law, possibly even later this week, aside from that, the rest of the judicial reform process will be done by consensus. And this is a little off the track in terms of 
some of the statements that the Prime Minister has made, not only to the US President, but indeed to other international leaders up until now, where he said the judicial reform process in its entirety will be done by consensus. Now we understand that even though this uh, reasonableness standard law um, will not be done by consensus, and that's the clear implication from yesterday's call, Apparently, the rest of the process will be. Um, unfortunately, there are those people who already do not believe that statement because when he said the entire process will be done by consensus, there were those people who were expecting the reasonableness law also to be part of that mm-hmm. consensus. That seems now to be set aside, at least by the statements that were made by the Prime Minister to President Joe Biden yesterday. Well, Anthony, as you put it, uh, that was the kicker to the whole conversation. And now, looking at, uh, as you mentioned earlier on, the anti-judicial reform protesters who have already begun their day of disruption and succeeded in closing now key artery roads in Israel this morning. What more is planned for today, (laughs) given what you just mentioned, the kicker? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a significant day of disruption because um, the protests are really all about the fact that it seems quite likely Mm. that that reasonableness law will now be uh, enacted by the Knesset. And, you know, just to try to put it all into some sort of a context, we have already discussed, I've already discussed at some length, that there is a certain amendment that could well be welcome, um, even by those who are protesting against the judicial reform, could could be welcome to, to, to try to amend somehow the power that the Supreme Court has over the uh, Knesset and over the the decisions that are being made by the Knesset and by the cabinet um, on a daily, weekly basis. And I've already said that there is certainly some evidence to suggest that the Supreme Court has a little bit too much power over what goes on in the Knesset. And so, therefore, some um, amendment to this reasonableness law would probably be in place. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and, and many people feel, that by putting it into law, that takes it just one step too far. And perhaps the right approach, the consensus approach might be to ask the Supreme Court to somehow think about it themselves and for the judges to come up with a view which would allow the reasonableness of law somehow the re- reasonable and the standard which is being applied by the judges in, in their assessment of um, protests, uh, any petitions that are brought to the court about what goes on in the Knesset. Right. The uh, judges might themselves wish to look at how the reasonable and the standard is applied and to amend it slightly rather than for it to come down through the legal process. Sure. But as you say, the, the protests have already begun today. Um, I have my television on in the background as I'm speaking to mm-hmm. you. I can see protesters outside Tel Aviv Stock Exchange. I can see roads that have been closed, in particular Kaplan Street in Tel Aviv, which is right outside where the Kiria is, the defense military headquarters is in that street. That road has already been closed with protesters taking over. Protesters indicated that what they had intended to do for today was in the first instance to close down Israel's rail network, to cause disruption to people trying to get to work on an ordinary Tuesday morning, to close down the rail network, to take their protest to the railway stations in order to disrupt the railways, and then to go to main arterial junctions on the roads, which would probably already be 
um, backed up and already be closed because of the weight of traffic that would be there as a result of people not being able to take to the trains and close down those junctions as well. What I've seen from this morning so far is that main arterial junctions have already been closed off. I don't see too many protests on the railway system, which is what was originally uh, threatened, intended. Um, but I do see that road number two, which is the coastal road, already was closed in both directions this morning, has now been reopened, I understand, to traffic. But I also see that at Beit Yanai, which is slightly north of Natanya, there is a key junction there. People coming from the north towards Tel Aviv, that has been closed. Other people um, protesting in various locations around Israel, um, not only um, at some of the main junctions, but in central Tel Aviv itself. Today is going to clearly be another day of significant disruption uh, to the ordinary operation of oh. Israel and in particular Tel Aviv, where most of the protests are being um, centered right now. Anthony, all I can say is just take care, stay safe, and I wonder what story we're going to be telling tomorrow. Very quickly, I uh, just got time to talk about the Israeli Foreign Minister Eli Cohen, who has been to Nairobi for progress talks with a number of African countries. Yes, yeah, so Eli Cohen's visit to Nairobi is a very interesting one because um, he's attended the African Union Biennial Coordination Meeting. Now, we know that in the past, South Africa has certainly been one of the, uh, the, the, the countries which has objected to Israel's participation in anything to do with the African Union. And, and I would have thought that they would have been quite vocal in opposing um, Eli Cohen's participation at the African Union Biennial Coordination Meeting, but apparently that wasn't the case. And he has been able to meet not only with the uh, Kenyan foreign minister, um, but also we understand that he has had the opportunity to meet with a number of unnamed diplomats from countries uh, which Israel would like to try to create diplomatic relations with. In other words, countries, African countries that Israel currently doesn't have diplomatic relations with. Some of the countries that have been mentioned uh, via the back route is Niger, Mali, and Mauritania. Those okay. are three countries that have been promoted as possible candidates for diplomatic relations with Israel. But certainly Israel's relationship with Kenya uh, goes without saying. Uh, the meetings with uh, uh, Kenyan President William Ruto and for the, with Kenyan Foreign Minister Alfred Mutua have um, right. already taken place. Um, it will be interesting to see whether Israel is able to create further friends on the African continent um, by creating Indeed, new Anthony. diplomatic relations with these countries. Right. Anthony, sorry, I'm going to have to cut you short there. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, just to give us some background as to what's happening in Israel at the moment. Uh, we just hope that things don't get too out of hand. There's a lot of homework that has to be done with the judicial process in the Holy Land right now. Anthony Reich, our correspondent from Israel, giving us the latest on what's happening in Israel. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com.